magical Brooklyn is where they live. Elves and dwarves is who they hang out with. Fuck horses lay back, but he'll drop rhymes. If knuckle raps and plant schemes have a little time. Jump up and scream till you get your throat hoarse. This is the show that we call Knock Force. Jump up and scream till you get your throat hoarse. This is the show that we call Knock Force. Hey, it's the Rebel Taxi Pizza Party Podcast on YouTube. I'm Pan Pizza. Who are you, people? I'm Nolan. Oh, hey, it's Jim. Hey, it's Izzy. And hey, it's uh, Ian JQ. How's it going? It's been 84 years. Oh, my God. It's I can't believe it. They're back. It's Run the Jewels. Look at them. They're right there. It's been so long, Pan turned into a gosh dang skeleton. <laughs> Appropriate because it's October oh, now. Oh, yeah. It's October, and today is also uh, Cartoon Network's 25th birthday, which I relate to that because I am also 25 years old. So when Cartoon Network goes down, I die too. <laughs> Your life force is directly connected to the studio. This is where yeah. I belong. But so like I'm super stoked about October, but this uh, this is the first year that I've been Izzy for it, and I can't think of a Halloween pun. Lizzie, the lizard, from from Rampage the game. Pan, get out of here. Go away. Ram- Shoo. Ram- okay. But we have a fucking guest. Oh, we have a freaking <laughs> guest. Who are you? Who, uh, who is? What do you do? What is this person? Uh, I'm Ian JQ. What do you need me to like? I don't know. Explain who I am. Yeah. I'm, uh, who are you? I'm, who am I? Uh, I'm the creator of a show called OKKO on Cartoon Network. Also, formerly, I worked on Adventure Time, Steven Universe, uh, The Venture Brothers, um, a bunch of other things too small to name. Uh, Oh, and uh, Secret Mountain Fort Awesome. Oh, yeah, that was a show. I, I like that show, but everyone just hated it when it first came out. But I think uh, most, uh, you know, relevant is that Jim and I used to do a uh, used to do an animated series together called Knock Force. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. What was that uh, about? Back, back when we back when we lived together. Yeah. In sin. I well, guess. I don't know if it was really in sin. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> We sinned a lot. Well, but, that's, you know. that is that is true. That is. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe too much. Maybe oh. Too much. And now they're finally back in. He, none of you, yeah. Knock Force did a, a a podcast before. What wasn't we the Knock, wasn't Knock Force just a podcast before, and then you just no. got the best of clips. No. No. Oh, no. I've heard people say that, but no. Uh, I think people suggested we do that, and we were like, no. We, we would just talk about stuff. And I think then this I was like cut out the clips. It was kind of pre-podcast getting big, actually. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean they were they were around, but yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like now. No, I mean, we we did the one that the the abomination things from. Yeah, and that that was the only because there weren't really any to do. Like we tried to look at others, and it was like, oh, there's this one, and then like some other guy like they're really it was 2008 so it's very Hmm. now it looks like early internet compared to what's going on (laughs) it's true well like um knock force itself was really um the way it grew was really organic i think it just came out of us living together and wanting to make things yeah uh and then i don't remember exactly how it went but i think we just started recording ourselves talking (laughs) Yeah, well, because we ha- originally it was yeah. going to be the 
because you have episode one and people are always yeah. like, where's episode two? But we kind of were like, that was the original plan. But then we had too much fun with the quickies. So then yeah. it just became the quickies because we're like, this is easier than like yeah. writing something and planning it out. I mean, they were more fun because it was literally just the conversations we would have uh, after we both got home from work. Yeah. And we just recorded those and then you would go in and clip out the funny parts. <laughs> I remember like not knowing what the funny parts were. And then you would clip them out and be like, oh yeah, that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, some would have, there were some recording sessions where there would be like five really great quickies. And then yeah. there were some like, I know specifically the one for rapping roller coaster, which I think was the only time we decided to get drunk during. Because uh, <laughs> we were like, we we're like, wow, that was fun, but I think this is unusable. And then yeah. I was like, well, we have rap and roller coaster, and that was like the only, the only. Yeah, that was the only. <laughs> you know what? I gotta be honest. Knockforce really needs like a rock and roller coaster. No, a a rap and roller coaster. I was just thinking that in my head. Yeah, you just read my mind and said it. All right. Well, I'm saying it now. And you know what? It could have. You know what? Let's go crazy. Two loop de loops. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. A rapid roller coaster. And I want a part where you stop and you have to fill out a test and then you go around again. Just oh to man. Because you wouldn't see that coming. No, you really. You'd be would... like, I have to fill out a biology test. Shit. And if you get it wrong, you have to get off. That's right. Yeah, and and people always used to say like, whoa, what are you guys smoking when you do those? But it's like we actually. We're completely sober for every single one. <laughs> we, like, it was Rapid Roller Coaster. That was the experiment. And we were like, we'll ne never again. <laughs> we were very, like, sober, but, like, very strict about yeah stuff. Like, we have to record it sober. Yeah. What were no. you smoking? Cigarettes? <laughs> for someone who has never seen Knock Force, explain what that what Knock Force is. Oh yeah, so uh, we gave sort of like a little bit of a background, but um, it, it kind of started up as uh, I think it was really from Jim having recording equipment around. Yeah, you had from... a uh, well, you we... had a uh, um, what you had like a keyboard. I had a keyboard, uh, a mixer, and a mic, which the, yeah. the keyboard I had from the 90s just from a Christmas. Yes. And the believe it or not, the mic and the mixer was actually bought with Cletus the Fetus money. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and that's actually what, like, because we made this money from the T-shirts, and Ian did Cletus the Fetus, and there were all the other voice people. And I said, look, how should we split the money? And everyone vote because I was, like, going to give them the money. Because I don't, you know, and they were all like, no, let's buy like actual recording equipment so we don't have yeah. to borrow our friends. And I was like, all right, if this is, if everyone's cool with it, and they were. And so it ended that's, up, that's no, it ended it, up being, it ended up being really good because uh, you just had that stuff around. And then yeah. I think we just started being like, well, let's use this for stuff. I think we were like recorded, like we recorded like one or two songs that were really bad. We did uh, just just messing around with the keyboard. I think we did one, and I don't know how available it is, or even if I still have it. it was no, like called, called like the War of eighteen twelve, but both of us <laughs> didn't really know what happened in the War of yes. eighteen twelve. 
So I think it involved lasers and dinosaurs or something. It was it was very like um, we didn't plan anything. We were no. just kind of winging it. And then I guess like from that, it was basically like, well, we have this stuff. We can record stuff. Let's start recording more stuff. Then I think we started recording songs and yeah. we started writing cartoons. And then, yeah, like Jim alluded to, the plan was we were going to make these cartoon episodes, these fully written episodes. And then on the off weeks, we were going to have um, these like quickie shorts that were just made from us improving that were like slices of our um, talking. We just had that stuff because I think like literally we were like, hang, we would just hang out and talk after work. And yeah. at, at some point it was just like, Hey, let's, we have this recording stuff. Let's just record ourselves. Yeah. And then we eventually just started doing that and uh, making short cartoons out of any of the funny parts. Yeah. But there's a lot of like excess in all those recordings. It's like for every quickie, there'd be like 30, 40 minutes. Of oh, yeah. Us going like someone should get paper towels. And then going <laughs> like, did you see... Uh, like whatever was big on Adult Swim, I know, or, or something like like Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, or something like that. that we would be like talking about our lives, <laughs> and then we'd be like, we have to actually say something funny. Yeah. <laughs> what is Cletus the fetus money? I'm concerned. Oh, sorry. I should have. I should have. I. I just sorry. Um, not to bring up a web series nobody remembers at this point. It was a series that I made in college because I was like, I was going to make a cartoon and I kind of learned Flash through, not good at anime. I'm not going to act like, but I made a lot of them and it was more just like people were down to do it. And it was like about a talking fetus and his friend Earl and Ian played Melvin. And, I was Melvin. Yeah. And we, it, it was not the greatest show, but I think it was good because it got a lot of like the gross out humor out of my system. That I was more into at the time, <laughs> and it was, you know, I'm glad I did it because it gave me something to do in college. But um, it's a. I think it was like I remember it being very sort of um, like kind of South Park, yeah, kind of, kind of feel, yeah, like like the way it was animated, but also like our whole sort of like the vibe of it was very much like, we'll do and say anything. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, we'll do this. I mean, they're all on uh, YouTube and stuff, but I, uh, they're, <laughs> they're a little just like kind of uh, offensive humor, which like knock force were like, let's move away from that. Yeah, well, I mean, a few times we didn't, but. Yeah, that's true. Time. Yeah. But most of, it was more about making a joke in knock force and Cletus the fetus was like, we said a bad word. Look at us. And there's like, but that was that was Flash cartoons at the time. It yeah, was very, exactly. There were no rules. We were, kind of, we were kind of fitting in. Yeah, I had Newgrounds respect. Yeah, but, <laughs> as much as that gets you, Eagle, Eagle Raptor like knocks on your door and goes, "Hey, man, I love Cletus the fetus, dude. You should you should be on Sequelitis." Cletus the fetus, Cletus the fetus, Cletus the fetus is the best in the world. Oh, the 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 the
Ian, uh, when do you think Newgrounds was funny? Like, when when do you think Newgrounds was funny? Um, oh, no. Newgrounds. Man. So, Kalidus uh, the Fetus was on Newgrounds, right, Jim? Yeah, well, it had its own site. It had and then its they own, kind of, yeah. the syndication package, I guess you could say. Yeah. Would, like, months later, I would put it on Newgrounds to, like, promote. And we, and we were going to do the same uh, with Knockforce, but we just got lazy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well that I think it was because it was there were so many. His Knockforce started in 2007, and it wasn't clear. It was pretty clear YouTube was going to be the winner, mm-hmm. but yeah. there were like Daily Motion was there, uh-huh. MySpace Video was a big thing at the time. Yep. I think there's another one that is gone. Uh, we chose only, yeah, Reverend. we chose YouTube, but but the first couple were posted like on like four different sites or something. It was like really yeah. ridiculous, like. Is we would post on Sunday night, and I remember like we'd just be by the computer, like, "Well, how's MySpace videos upload speed going?" Yeah. Oh. God. I uh, I wasn't I wasn't super deep in uh, Newgrounds culture, um, at, like at that time. I went to Newgrounds a lot, like when it first started, like to play like the Pico games and stuff, like you know, beat up whoever, like the <laughs> ones that were like literally like. Um, HTML things that you would click on. Yeah. Uh, that little that virtual was, pet that guy. Was, that was more when I was super into it. Uh, and then uh, when it became like very interconnected, lots of flash stuff, I wasn't, uh, I, I, I think I was just in college at the time yeah. and I didn't, uh, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But uh, nowadays, um, you know, I work with a lot of really talented uh, young artists who got their starts, like animating on things on Newgrounds or like being fans of Newgrounds stuff. Um, so, like, I don't know. If I was like a little bit younger, I think I would have been like all about it. <laughs> but when would you say it was funny? You know, like when would you say it was the most funny Newgrounds? I don't. I don't really know. I'm yeah. not just, he's he's setting you up for <laughs> yeah. He, he, Pan is like trying to Pan is like trying to lure you into it like a trap. Just, just pick a year so he can get this out of his system. Wait to handle it. I'm not even I'm not even sure. Like just a random year. Just a random year. Okay, 2007. Um, you know, I uh, think Newgrounds was funny when we were all 12, living in the suburbs, link, listening to Linkin Park, watching Dragon Ball Z, drinking Pepsi while playing Halo Co-op on the easiest setting during which we consumed Doritos and looked at paintball guns on eBay and Internet hey, Explorer. Hey, Ian, uh, you, make, you make a cartoon, right? You, you, like, <laughs> you, you work at like a studio and you like make like cartoons like uh, like for, for like a, a TV channel, right? Like way better That's than true. like way better than this guy who makes videos for YouTube. Oh. What? Rude. Really? I I kind of feel that that's not actually. I think that actually like the best thing about 2017 is that uh, the stuff that's on TV is not better than stuff that's online. Whoa, there! Uh, Can you say that? And, well, well, that it's it's actually it, but it's actually true. Um, I think there's like, you know, people who like make their own stuff. And they make things that are good and that people actually like. It's it's you know it's equal. And, uh, it's just like in term maybe in terms of like uh, promotion and budgeting, it's not. But uh, I would say that entertainment 
the playing field has never been more level and it's getting more level every day. Mm, yeah. yeah. But, but, but again, um, if you're talking in terms of quality, you're barking up the wrong tree with a uh, ripple taxi. I'm oh. sorry to say, I can, Rude. I try to convince Pan to delete his channel every day. Why are you trying to bust my balls? You mean his, like, you mean like, you mean like Pan's reviews and stuff? Just everything. Oh, actually, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe mark out a little bit, but actually something I really like, uh, Pan, about your reviews is that I think there's like this, this, there's this culture of uh, reviewing uh, where it's just like, get super angry, say a bunch of bad words, make a bunch of weird faces at the camera and like, just be like, man, they were on drugs when they made this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, One thing I find really awesome about Pan's work is that you you like look at something and you don't just say wow this sucks you go like man i don't think this was supposed to come out this way why did this happen and then like you look up you like you like do uh research on like who made it like what animation studio did it who were the people responsible like all that stuff like i feel like that's like the high watermark. I feel like people should be like demanding that from like the reviewers uh, <laughs> that they, that they watch. Cause um, you know, if it's just someone like screaming and sort of like putting their opinions forward as like facts, that's not really like a good review or a good video. It's like the stuff that's really interesting is like the academic research and I don't know. I see you do that, Pan. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see like a lot of other people do that. <laughs> I think so. I think Pan has a good balance of the like the uh, the joke, the funny haha jokes, and the uh, actual like. I don't think his analysis is as deep as like uh, entertain the elk, but it's still better than a lot of other people. Is there like a? At least well, it's, at least it's, it's, huh? I will say uh, in regards to like a lot of analysis, there are people who do analysis videos where so much of their analysis is based on IMDb scores. It's oh, like, yes. you know, like, those don't mean anything, right? Like, I, I really want people to stop doing that. Or like Rotten think, Tomatoes scores. Or, um, or I've seen them for Rotten Tomatoes scores that were for movies released before uh, Rotten Tomatoes was a thing, which couldn't even be accurate. You know. Yeah, I feel like it's the like, only, I feel like the only thing IMDb like research is good for is for like aggregating like the public perception of a property. At that time, like um, somebody who we had on the podcast before named Ipatch Wolf did a fall of the Simpsons video on how it happened, and he used the IMDb scores to chart how people felt about the seasons and um, like over two hundred thousand reviews over the course of the entire series. It went the show went from like a the high eights to low nines to like the high sixes mid sixes over the course of the 30 years but are the sample sizes for each one of those seasons like exactly the same like it's you know it you kind of start to run down uh like precedents that might not make that much sense yeah when you go with that you know like you then you have to start to look at like well is like season 13 of the simpsons like does it have as many reviews or scores as earlier things and you know, I'm just saying, like, in terms of academic research, it's, like, it's hard to rely on user-submitted data like that uh, when it comes to making a, like... Because a lot of times they proje- present it as it's objective data, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And in that, 
it, I don't mind it being presented, but when it's presented as like objective, like perfect data, it doesn't quite add up a lot of the time. But uh, um, sorry, I'm just being like super pedantic. Is there a uh, blushy Nikon to put on here? You know, you know, because I don't know how to express emotions. <laughs> Pan, just just delete. Thanks. Just stop. <laughs> oh, here's uh, a blushy yeah. Nikon from earlier. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. We did it. Yay. Hey, man, the more the more uh, genuine emotions uh, you give, the better it gets. Yay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever go on my Let's Play channel. Things get too genuine on there. Oh, God. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Is there anything else to say about Knockforce? <laughs> we could talk about... So... When we were making Knockforce, I was working oh. at uh, World Leaders Entertainment, who was the animation studio behind Venture Brothers at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Venture Brothers has now moved on to Titmouse, but um, yeah. they wanted to pitch more shows, and we tried to pitch Knockforce with them to. Oh man, it was so many networks: Fox, uh, Adult Swim. Yeah, um, there were. I think, like, at the time, Adult Swim had just gotten really big, and so a bunch of other networks were trying to do, like, Adult Swim-esque things, and then they were, like, like, online. I think Fox, they eventually did do an Adult Swim sort of rip-off thing. Yeah, the ADHD. Uh, Yeah, but this was, like, so long before. When it did happen, I was like, oh, man, they should... They they stuck, been, they they've been that. working on that like that whole time. Yeah. What, what was the? I I'm curious. Like, what was the total development cost by the time that went to air? Because it sure. must have. I I don't think they made money off of that thing. But anyway, no. the, I don't yeah. know the business of it. But the. Um, but yeah, we tried. We tried to pitch a show. Neither of us had done anything like that before. Maybe no. we made. Maybe we made some mistakes. I, I I'm not even sure if yeah, we it was, did a good job or not. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that we were. I don't know if they were the greatest at. See, we weren't in any of the pitches. We didn't actually get to go before Fox. That's true. So, like, we would hear things, but then I was like, but we don't even know, like, if that's how it happened or, like, if they yeah. did the best job or they didn't. So, I'm like, I used to, when I think I first heard, I'd be like, oh, they fucked it up or something. But yeah. now I'm kind of like, but I wasn't there. So, I yeah, can't. I, I mean, I wish I, they had let us come and do it and, like, yeah. do the, like, the. I don't know if you've ever heard the infamous john k pitch story hmm, where he right. like got on tables and ripped his shirt off and <laughs> what like, what fired a gun off or something like it was supposed to be <laughs> like, like the yeah he would, his pitch he would like jump around and get like really like worked up and stuff <laughs> like i've heard i've heard people say like it's just like the couple times he pitched like it kind of became a, a circus like a certain some people be like oh come in everybody from the office take the afternoon off let's watch john k pitch this. <laughs> oh do they just throw like uh, dimes at him like yeah perform for us monkey i mean i think sort of but i think the red and stimpy pitch was supposed to be like legendarily amazing and i think because i took a i don't know if ian took the class as well the pitching the animated series class oh like, yeah yeah Okay, yeah, yeah. so, like, in that class, they make it seem like you're going to go in and pitch your show, but yeah. world leaders pitched Knockforce. We worked on we the pitch made, book, and we went yeah, to we meetings pitch, and stuff. We made a pitch book. We went to meetings. We made a pitch book. We, like, made, like, sample cartoons for them to show, yeah. um, you know, and, like, yeah, they took all the materials and pitched them on our behalf, 
And yeah. I think the the main like maybe the main issue was uh, um, what's it called? Uh, the fact that we weren't like known at all. Oh. Like we like we weren't famous comedians. We weren't like famous actors from something else, uh, you know. So we really had no chance. I think, I think they told us that like Adult Swim might have literally been like, "Who are these guys?" <laughs> yeah, like they didn't know who we were at all. I mean, yeah, we had like what was it? I think the voice of Zorak was watched us or so, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. See uh, Martin Kroger. Uh. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he watched some of the cartoons. Yeah. Like some of them were fans, but they weren't yeah. really willing to. But I think also the problem was is the only thing that showed what an episode would have been was episode one. And the quickies, like we never figured out how to do the yeah. quickies as an episode. And like uh -huh. sometimes later on when I'd watch regular shows, like I wish I'd come up with something like that then. But I still don't yeah. think they would have picked it up because I, I think that might have been the issue. If they didn't a show. I think, that, really. I think that's true. Hmm. So, yeah, that was like a weird adventure. But then, yeah, I remember when we finally were like uh, when they were finally like, well, we pitched it to everyone and no one went with it. And I remember, I don't know, we were like sad, but then we were like, ah, whatever. We just yeah, kept, making, we just like kept making cartoons. Yeah, it, it was like the beginning of a quickie session. And by that point, I think like a week before I said, maybe you should just ask them to call Fuse because where right. else are we going to go? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, and Fuse isn't as bad as it is now where they just play <laughs> sister, sister reruns. Like Fuse yeah. had the Spaceballs cartoon that which was uh, but i know it was, but like it was still they, i mean they could have if they went for that right that, maybe we would have a shot that was on know. g4 <laughs> first i think they like didn't they did the bigger ones i sort of wish they had gone for the smaller ones but i don't you know maybe there wasn't that much money there or they had spent all their money on space balls the cartoon or something <laughs> yeah um but oh. we were we kind of just went yeah, it didn't work out, whatever. We still have this thing, and not a lot of people were making cartoons on YouTube. So it was like, you know, we were kind, kind of... like a novelty. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But yeah, Spaceballs, the cartoon was on G4 first, and it was a mess. Well, it was it was a big thing. Like, everyone thought Adult Swim would get it, and yeah. they bought it up, and everyone was like, what? And, <laughs> but it didn't, like... I think it was probably better off for Adult Swim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Together. It was just bad. I remember watching on. I think Netflix picked it up or something. Oh. Like not not actually like to make episodes, but just the stream. I mean, they're they're still gonna do um, uh, Spaceballs too. What? Oh yeah, the interest in that went up when Force Awakens happened. I heard <laughs> yesterday that apparently they've had this treatment for it, and it's called Spaceballs Three: The Search for Spaceballs Two. <laughs> is is the title of it? Which I was like, yeah. okay. That's funny, but like, watch a later Mel Brooks movie and oh. tell me you really want. I mean, it makes sense. It would make money now. There's Star Wars every year, you know. Mm -hmm. That's harsh, harsh but true. I, aren't the guys who uh, made like disaster? Like Spo, I really like your drawing. You're doing. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. But I'm um, like, isn't the guys who made like disaster movie and epic movie making like some sort of Star Wars parody also for theaters? I mean, I don't remember a story about that, but I'll just say sure. Signal. <laughs> something you would do oh yeah but uh, nolan your thing's making noise when you click on something i think or something's making noise i, I told you the undo button's right there you oh sorry that was me yeah it's doing control z the, the, my art slave my art slave won't oh. stop clicking the buttons i'm oh. sorry okay 
<laughs> and that, it's, it's 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 okay. He won't be getting as much gruel tonight yeah. as he did yesterday, so it's all right. I'll fix it. Five ten days for me. <laughs> and is so that you guys aren't excited for space movie? Spa- oh no! What's space? What's space? Movie? I'm assuming the disaster movie, epic movie type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I just assume that's what um, Blue Project you guys are referring what to. Were their names like Freebird and Seltzer? That's what their names were. Yeah. They're back. I think so. Well, they they've been making movies on like Netflix, like straight to Netflix, and I guess I don't they know. Have? Yeah, they made like a that. Fast and Furious parody, uh, like a hu- Hungry Games parody called Starving Games. Oh yeah, I do remember these. They well, apparently, what happened is the last one. Remember when when Mother came out recently? Every movie site was showing a list of movies that got an F cinema score. Which, <laughs> there aren't that many, oh. and one of them was the one of their movies. I think it was like Disaster Movie or whichever one had Juno. I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen them, so I don't know. But supposedly, one of them didn't do very well, so they've been going to streaming and on demand and stuff. Yeah terrible <laughs> but is that all the history for knock force i mean we sort, we sort of just yeah I mean, unless you guys unless you have any other questions i mean i don't know i mean ian what are you working on now what you've been up to well right now like literally i'm working on storyboards and stuff for my show mm-hmm. um you know i still try to draw as much as i can um into every episode uh so like i work on a lot of um revisions and stuff uh yeah and also like i'm working on you know there's just like there's there's so many moving parts to making an animated show and so there are like sometimes uh changes to model sheets or backgrounds or stuff and Mm -hmm. i i try to take those things on myself every once in a while uh you know so yeah yeah. Kind of what I was working on today. Yeah. Question: huh. Would you ever throw uh, like references or cameos with Knock Force into your current show? Um. Well, Knock Force is kind of uh, that would be kind of tough because uh, I don't own Knock Force. Jim and I own that jointly. Oh, we that's... Uh, that's like a that's like a copyright <laughs> that I don't have the say of what to do with it. Dang! Oh. I recently did a, like RPG World cameo which was a old comic i did that i started when i was 15 um but that was easy because like yeah like i own that you know um ask yourself what what's that did, did you like go to a mirror hey ian can i use uh, rpg world <laughs> yeah man you actually, can do it actually it's kind of hilarious like uh like because you know it has to be done legally right yeah so like i did i had to sign a licensing contract from myself to myself, basically. <laughs> uh, that's like that's like literally, yeah. What what you have to do? It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, like, like, I've, like I've done that several times. Like I've made a, uh, I've made like a, a, um, a font and had it used like in an episode. Yeah, and so I had to sell the font to myself, basically. Uh, it's so weird. Uh, legal stuff so bizarre is it that square font that appears every so often in steven universe and knock four shirts Um, well there's so i've made a couple steven universe fonts there's the font for the title screen 
But mm. this one was for um, the uh, Lake Plaza. It's all of the OKKO stuff. Ah, okay. The Lake Plaza Turbo um, Pilot, I used like a font of my handwriting for all the uh, <laughs> credits and stuff. Yeah. Which Cartoon Network now owns uh, <laughs> that I had to be like, wow. yeah, I made this uh, Does... and I will buy it off of myself for use in this thing. Does Cartoon Network now own RPG World? Uh, no, they don't. No. Oh, it I was like, yeah, it was a, it was like a, you know, it's it's a um, it's a licensing agreement. So it's like uh, oh. I'm like licensing the characters, but they don't own uh, the rights to that. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, because also I know like uh, We Bear Bears was based on a web comic, and I'm sure like Cartoon Network now owns that. I think. Oh, I mean, yeah, probably since that's like the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of RPG World, but I liked all the RPG World references like you had the first book cover yeah there and like a bunch of stuff because i didn't know i knew about the captain planet thing which <laughs> i thought had aired but i guess hasn't mm-hmm. yeah understanding. oh but yeah like, yeah that one ta- yeah, that's, caught that's me by surprise because hero was in uh wasn't he a character he was like a background thing in steven universe yes yeah we threw him in there uh, did you have to do a thing there or were they just like with it no that was like that was such low level this like the character actually talked and was named and you know yeah. it becomes like a much bigger deal okay, oh, okay. well if you guys ever want to use knock force i'm cool with it but yeah it's a verbal I mean... contract <laughs> oh is that oh whoops. <laughs> no oh. we can talk about we can talk about that later oh okay. anyway sorry 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 <laughs> okay okay so speaking of licensing stuff i really actually want to touch upon this because you just used captain planet <laughs> in an episode which i too thought aired but it's mostly because they keep like showing clips i think there's at least four minutes of the episode out right now yeah um, i mean you know that's that's how it goes are the other planeteers dead <laughs> oh god uh well let's see so this Ooh, whoa oh there's a dog this i guess this uh this podcast is gonna go up the day after uh it airs yeah yeah but uh, we're, we're live now just so you know just so you don't yeah and i know we're live so i'll just say you gotta watch the episode and find out <laughs> well, did, wait, did you i i actually wanted to ask you did you meet lavar burton yes i did <laughs> so nice. so wait wait I, this is the did you ask him about the episode of Reading Rainbow where they went behind the scenes on Star Trek The Next Generation? I told I told him that I saw that when I was a kid and it was it blew my mind. And uh he was super nice. Oh cool. And uh he was awesome. I actually... he, uh he was like you know, he was just really cool, really genuine. He loved doing uh the Kwame voice. He like basically sat down, he was like right back there. He sort of like improved things off the script from the fly because like he knew he knows how Kwame talks. So like yeah, yeah. He, he did his own spin on things and like, you know, he signed a copy of my script after <laughs> and like, you know, he was just like a really nice guy. And he was saying like, you know, Captain Planet, uh, he was like he was shocked that uh, we did something with it because people have been talking about it for ages about yeah. doing some kind of thing and he was like you guys are the first people to do it so, yeah. <laughs> wow i i actually didn't know he was the voice of kwame until uh, until i saw the tweet that yeah, went out yeah. and i was like and when i because at first it was like oh so they got him to do kwame and then i went oh my god that is like because i watched captain planet that was him it was shocking yeah. i think it was kind of maybe maybe a little based off of um 
you know, him appearing in Roots back in the day. Oh, yeah. And so he kind of has, like, he can do, like, kind of like that West African sort of voice. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. He he had uh, that show had like Oprah was on it too, right? It had a pretty high budget, Captain. Uh, the original Captain Planet. I mean, it yeah. was like, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Like, you know, a lot of like the original voice actors for the characters were like, yeah, huge celebrities. Yeah, who played that one lady, the blonde lady villain? Um... Uh, it 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 was that role was originated. Uh, Doctor Blight's role was originated by uh, Meg Ryan. Yeah, uh, really. Yeah, oh, Meg Ryan only did maybe like the first season, or um. But then when they brought her back, it was Mary Kay Bergman, our R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Who uh, mm-hmm. you know you know as the voice of like all the women in South Park in the first oh, season, yeah. and, uh, yeah. the original like Batgirl from you know yeah. who you know. Uh, we unfortunately lost back then, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Can I ask the question I was setting up, though? Oh, sorry. No, that's totally cool. Um, basically, so licensing thing. Obviously, Cartoon Network owns OKKO and then also owns Captain Planet, so it's just kind of like a knock on the door. Hey, can we use it? Um, so my kind of question is, one, was it your idea to like, hey, let's just do a Captain, ep- Captain Planet episode? And because uh, this is similar to how Venture Brothers is able to use um, Johnny Quest stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it yeah, it was totally my idea. I wanted to. I, it was something I wanted to do. I thought like Captain Planet would totally fit like in their world because that show was like really goofy, mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to do it. And I think like later, I don't know. I think I just like kind of offhand asked like. Hey, can I put Captain Planet in a thing? And they're like, "Yeah, I mean, we own it, so you can kind of do whatever you want." And I was like, "Let's do it." Um, but yeah, it was something I really, really, really wanted to do. You didn't have to ask uh, like Ted Turner or anything. Uh, I didn't have to ask him personally. However, we did. Um, we did get in touch with the um, Captain Planet Foundation. Oh, and they um, they still uh, sort of take care of the character. They license oh. him out. They they still do like public service announcements, <laughs> and the foundation itself is like, you know, still very much alive. And, oh. You know, we got in contact with them and told them what we were doing, and you know, it was it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, because this is the the first uh, Cartoon Network cameo for um, Captain Planet since Punch Time Explosion. Oh XL. yeah, the fighting game. Yeah, yeah. I still can't believe I could get beat up by Captain Planet in a video game. Yeah. Like, dream goals. That's the dream. Yeah. I mean, like, you you could basically put in, like, Robot Jones if you wanted to, right? I mean, probably. Yeah. The thing is, is, a lot of, um, you know, I mean, and you guys probably know some stuff about this, but, like, you know, depending on the character... Some things have been written off, so it's like you can't really make new things with them. Oh yeah, uh, you know, but like, like there's no Mega Six Alar thing you can't ever do. Like Cartoon Network has been like, you know, they're like really cool with whenever I'm like, hey, I have this stupid idea, and they're they're just like, yeah, do a stupid you idea, you say, we'll do it. <laughs> Man, a Mega Six Alar in OKKO OK would have been amazing, to be honest. Yeah, but... I mean, hey, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I. I... I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you to give out spoilers, but I'm really hoping the Captain Planet episode goes the route of the Don Cheadle Funny or Die short, where he just starts <laughs> turning things into trees. <laughs> and everybody's, like, mortified by Captain Planet, and he just gets really intense. I feel like 
I feel like um, you know, as as a fan of the original show, I I more tried to honor like the weird tone of that. <laughs> yeah, so, all his uh, bad I, puns. I, I, I hope I hope you enjoy it. No, I know. You were weren't you Kwame for Halloween one year? I was Kwame for Halloween one year. I can't I remember, that. remember that. Because you because I was because at first was like, didn't that happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> when the five powers combine, they summon Earth's greatest champion, Captain Planet. I forget you also what I remember what aired this past weekend was like some some mysterious guy obviously you can't say who that guy was at all or say anything but I like the designs on the set of that episode the water temple thing oh thanks so much yeah. that was um that was a board uh you're talking about um let's have a stakeout and that episode was storyboarded by Dave Allegri and Haywan Lee um <laughs> who uh, really dug into the assignment of uh, bringing back shadowy figure, and uh, it was uh, it was just a really fun episode to work on. Um, uh, the place where they fought uh, actually that's not its first appearance on the show. Uh, if you go back to an earlier episode, uh, do do you have any more in the back? You can see its first appearance. Oh yeah. Uh, but they. They expanded that area, and it was a lot of fun to um, uh, choreograph the fight, which um, has a lot of. Um, uh, we we really wanted to do a fight like um, if uh, if you guys remember the original Dragon Ball uh, when uh, um, Goku fights uh, Tao Pai Pai uh, when he's like um, you know it's like just a really fun fight that's like a kid versus a super strong character mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah that's, that's um, the first really glad, I'm really glad through, you right? enjoyed that dave did a really good job what'd you say ian i, I mean is he uh that's the that's the villain that first defeated goku right uh yeah yeah he he definitely defeats him mm-hmm. yeah because he he uh, to travel he like breaks down trees yeah throws them and then jumps on them <laughs> yeah, it's it's an amazing. It's just a hilarious character. Mm. Oh, <laughs> someone in the chat says Law three sixty says talk about Trigger Studios. Like since you got to work with them. Oh yeah, Trigger. Uh, when I was working on Steven Universe, uh, we became fans. Uh, we became friends with uh, some of the uh, animators from Trigger. Uh, most notably, uh, Takafumi Hori, um, who we like shared a lot of correspondence with, and. Uh, when I got to visit Japan, uh, this would be, oh God, uh, this would be like over two years ago now, I guess. Um, we uh, we uh, got to visit Studio Trigger, which was amazing. I like I totally geeked out the, the entire time. <laughs> it was great. Um, but the best part was, you know, we, we not only got to meet Horisan in person, but uh, we got to meet, you know, Yo Yoshinari. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, my, like one of my heroes, Hiroki Yamaishi, um, and we basically just sort of, uh, sat down in their conference room and sort of just like talked about animation for like, for like, in, like an hour and a half. And <laughs> we were just sort of like 
talking about like, oh, how do they achieve these things? Like they wanted to know like how like what our workflow was like because I mean they're huge fans of Western cartoons, so uh, they wanted to know like, oh, how do you guys do this? We do it like this, and then we would like sort of like talk about like our different ways of uh, achieving stuff. Uh, one thing that uh, we were big, I was, I'm a big fan of is uh, Trigger's use, like the way that they, um, the way that they have like these nice active cameras, oh, yeah. digital effects, like, you know, Kill a Kill is a really good example. It's like they use digital effects, but they kind of make sure that there's sort of like a um, human sort of feeling to them. So like, there's like, brush strokes and you know um like splatter marks and stuff like that and mm -hmm. you know so i was just uh i was just talking to them we talked to them like for uh, like we talked their ears off just like asking them how they do animation and it was great we got to make friends with them and then later on uh actually i think it was on that trip that we made the deal uh for um uh hori san did a uh, sequence uh, Steven Universe episode, which was just came out so great. And then later on, when uh, after OKKO got greenlit, I wanted to do something special for the intro. And um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, it was hard for me to uh, like send those first emails, like asking someone who you're a huge fan of, like, will you work on my thing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I like, kind of sacked up and did it, and I, I, I'm super glad that I got to work mm -hmm. with them. Yeah, because now they do the intro. Like, they also did the intro to that, and also um, Black Dynamite. Like, is Cartoon Network just... Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weird crossover. Like, is Cartoon Network gonna do something for them, ever? I mean, I, you know, I don't really... I can't really say hmm. as far as what Cartoon Network wants uh, to do. But, yeah. you know, we made the deal sort of separately of anybody else. It was just something that hmm. uh, I wanted to happen uh, because of what kind of show it was. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Amaishi-san's artwork and animation. Yeah. And, uh, to have him draw the characters, I, you know, I'm still like, I still can't believe it's real. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like it's, okay, KO is pretty much a combination of everything you like, right? It's just all these random arcade games, all this art anime stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I could I could talk a little bit about OKKO OK in general. Uh, when I when I first pitched OKKO, OK I was uh, storyboarding on Secret Mountain Fort Awesome. And uh, I was then going to be the storyboard supervisor for Adventure Time. Uh, and they asked, you know, oh, if do you have any ideas? And I, um, I came up with a pitch about aliens. Uh, and then, like, right before the pitch meeting, I was just like, ah, this is stupid. And I just threw it away. And I was just like, I'll make a thing that's just, like, about, uh, you know, when I was a teen, I worked at a at a supermarket and it was really funny. Uh, like, I'm, you know, we would just like goof off in this supermarket. And I actually got that job at a supermarket so I could buy a Dreamcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, so I wanted to put together those feelings and then also just like all the action cartoons I liked, like all the like video games and anime I'd watched and just like you know, fun stuff and just like have a fun time. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel like it's like a little too esoteric sometimes? Cause like, I mean, kids are not going to get the, uh, that episode with the, with the cactus, the corn, where it was just a bunch of references to corn and new metal and stuff. Every step that I take, 
is another mistake for you. Every step that I take is another mistake to you. I wanna see you try to take a swing at me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people people bring up people bring up stuff about the references, um, you know, quite a bit. Actually, it makes me think of something. You know, like, did you guys like uh, Billy and Mandy growing up? Yeah, yeah. When was the time that you realized that every single Billy and Mandy episode and character was a reference to a horror movie? <laughs> a lot later, like a sci-fi movie. Like when? Like when did you realize that? Way later, because Hostel Gato it was, was way wow. later. Right. I think like it's funny, like, you know, because um, as far as OKKO OK and like the references we put in the show, uh, we're not like, you know, we make them for fun and for us to have fun with. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that uh, you have to know the reference to connect to the show. Um, it's sort of like the way Billy and Mandy, you know, they were just these like fun things. But like if you were an adult or you were working on the show, like you knew what the thing was uh uh, referencing. I think the thing that's different now is uh, a lot of people who recognize the references. You're just older, and you can you know those references because you kind of grew up at the same time as me. You know, mm, yeah. I think if you're a kid, uh, there's something really fun about like watching a show, and it's referencing a lot of esoteric media that you, that you didn't know. Like, you know, I know that when I was a kid, like Rocco's Modern Life, like. You know, and Billy and Mandy, like, shows like that, like, you know, I was totally absorbed with. And then years later, I was like, oh, my God, that was a reference to this or whatever. Um, (laughs) But I think the thing about the thing about it now is, you know, there are a lot of people who grew up on a lot of the same things. And, uh, you know, so now they can kind of get the references as well. And it sort of leads them to think like, oh, this show is just references or it's over reliant on references. But I think the difference is uh, you're just older and we speak the same language. So you get the references. So, you know, don't push us away because we made it for you. So yeah. mm-hmm. I can kind of, I can kind of see where that um, is coming from, but I also feel like if you're going to reference something, it should also stand on its own as well as a joke. Cause like yeah. House Delgado also acted as, as well as a parody. It was just a funny character in general. Yeah, and I think I think that's I think that's what we aim for, um, you know, to make. And the thing about uh, like uh, so the episode you're men- uh, mentioning, know your mom, uh, which was an episode storyboarded by Parker Simmons and Ryan Shannon. And uh, what what happened with that is uh, so we had this this idea, which was a kind of very basic idea of oh, what if Ko sort of set up like a uh, a secret encounter for his mom to fight an old enemy say if it was Rocco's modern life the old enemy would have been like uh disco or something you know what i mean it would have been like you know something for that time that those uh artists and writers grew up on um say if it was like billy and mandy maybe they would have done like oh they're wacky 80s characters or something we decided to make it like you know we were like well K.O. is 6 to 11 years old, so let's go back 6 to 11 years and really, like, think about what something from that time would be like. And so uh, Ryan and Parker came up with this incredible solution of doing, like, uh, early 2000s, mid-2000s new metal <laughs> references to, like, sort of uh, put him specifically in a specific time period. And uh, I, that's, like, an example of a thing where it's, like, 
you could look at it and be like, oh, it's references, haha. I'm only supposed to laugh at the reference. But actually, the reference is sort of a, um, it's sort of like a touch point for if you're old enough to understand this, you understand like, oh, this is where this character is from. Uh, this is what this character means in this situation. It's kind of like a, it kind of makes it more specific for people instead of us just saying like, oh, well, he's from the early 2000s. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, we, we have to give are. like context. We have to give context for what that is. And uh, that's kind of like, that's kind of our MO uh, with that sort of stuff. Well, so similar to like the Simpsons, which yeah. you grew up on and like, a lot of those references, like, I know we would both watch movies and then go, I think we have to rewatch a Simpsons episode. Yes. I think we just finally got, like, there was a couple like that. We We're do like, that all the time. Actually, actually, because of Mystery Science Theater, I recently got a Simpsons joke. Troy <laughs> McClure is based on this actor, Doug McClure, right. who was in two of the new Mystery Science Theater episodes <laughs> at Doug McClure movies. And even had Joel McHale guest on, and he does a Troy McClure thing. And Troy McClure is a bunch of different people, but he's mainly Doug McClure. And I did not know that till, uh, I don't know, this summer, basically. And it's like, there's still references that like were major parts of my childhood that I just didn't. Yeah. And I think it's just that, you know, when, when you're making something, you know, you don't, you know, it, there's, there's this idea that like, oh, you can make something that's uh, completely original. Uh, and that you don't, no one should have any inspiration. Uh, no one should wear their inspirations on their sleeve. Uh, and no one should, uh, you know, basically uh, shout out to the things that they like. And, you know, I think, I think that in, in any way, like pretty much any like good movie, any good like director, or good artist is fully aware of what they're taking from even like samples it inside of their work. Um, and, or even if they, it seems like, Oh, this is a wholly original thing. It's because their, um, you know, their actual sense of, uh, the references that they're making are so built in to what it is that, uh, you can never extract those references from it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, but for us, like, you know, the, the thing about us is that we don't we make the show so that even if you don't get whatever thing that we're referencing, you still understand the show. We don't like do like, you know, uh, like cheesy sort of like pop up uh, things like video, like someone doesn't do something and then like a points thing comes up or like something like that. Like, you know, it's not we try to stay away from like superficial like things where like someone could just be like. Oh, it's a reference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, Star Wars actually did that a lot. Yeah. And like the famous shot of Luke looking at Aunt, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru like on fire. That's from The Searchers, which yeah. is a pretty well-known movie. And the I plot's think, obviously... What? what I, think, I think you made me watch Hidden Fortress uh, after watching Star Wars. Star Wars yeah, one. well, we watched... I, I bet you guys watched... The Searchers and Hidden Fortress, because I was like, oh, it was just like, Searchers, okay. It yeah. was like because I, I was Hidden Fortress later. Yeah, but Hidden Fortress takes and it takes from like John Ford and all this stuff. But it's because we didn't grow up with those references. When I go back and watch old movies, I was suddenly like, oh, Star Wars is like, like a lot of references. But like yeah. I didn't. People in '77 got that, but I did not when I exactly. was exactly. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, but it's basically just like, you know, we're just having fun because we grew up on all the same stuff and it's like people who are our age get it. Um, and you know, we're just, we, we don't want to be, um, uh, untruthful towards, you know, what we like. It's, it's important for mm-hmm. me. My, uh, edgy Sundere friend who listens to new metal really love that episode. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, it was insane because, uh, when they pitched that, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> we have to do this. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it got so far that, uh, they were like, can we get, jonathan davis to do this character <laughs> and i was like let's try and jonathan davis super class act he's super funny uh he came in he did it he lo- he, he thought it was hilarious he started <laughs> just like laughing anytime he, it was like his next line he's like oh my god it's it's like it he, he was like you want me to sing it because i i <laughs> this is my song so you know <laughs> Uh, it was really, it was really great. Was there something that's just too esoteric that are like, okay, we can't have this at all. We can't do this. No, we we put in everything. Oh yeah. Although one thing everything. I'm a little worried, I'm wondering about like people um, people, people missed uh, in that episode. People missed him saying it's been a while, which was a. Stain. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people didn't get that that was a reference, and they like people have made supercuts of all the song lyrics, but they leave that one off. And oh. I'm like, hey, come on! That's like the biggest, new, one of the bigger new metal songs. Yeah. Eat it randomly just turns into a log, and like, I guess that's funny. On that's just weird on its own, but like, I don't know. I just wonder like. How do kids th- think? What what are, what do kids think is going on with Enid turning into a log? I mean, Enid turning like a ninja, a ninja replacing themselves with a log. I mean, that's yeah. just a reference to ninjas. I know, but I know that that's something that is done on Naruto. But like, you know, like I mean, that's a ninja thing. Oh yeah, that's like a general like ninja thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, About- similarly, you know, we've had like there's other people like in the show where it's like. Oh, that guy, he's uh, there. We have like a character called Joff the Shaolin monk and people are like, it's Krillin. And it's like, well, actually, you know, he's a Shaolin monk, which is a reference to Shaolin monks, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like stuff like that. I think there are a lot of like cartoons and stuff that popularize, um, you know, certain character archetypes. And, you know, (laughs) you see you start to tilt at references that aren't actually there. I mean, when I was in like a early high school, ninth grade, like I was drawing Omi from Shaolin Showdown and people thought I was drawing Krillin. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I bet they got it a lot. Anyone have anything to say about OKKO? OK yeah, any other questions or anything? <laughs> we can take questions from the stream. If, yeah. if oh, hey, questions yeah. from the stream. Do you guys have any non-spoiler questions? Yeah, a non-spoiler. <laughs> of course, I can't give a spoiler. I'm sorry. Ray Chu starts his question. Related to some of Ian's pitches stories, did any of you have any ideas for a cartoon slash comic from when you were really young that were either terrible or just straight up ripoffs of other cartoons i have so i have so many that's like all the stuff i made when i was a kid <laughs> okay, i think okay. like one of my first characters was like literally like a uh, bart simpson with different hair <laughs> <laughs> oh he did... just had like black hair like it ended in a scribble of black hair instead of <laughs> instead of spikes oh man and it was just Boots like bart. Yeah, my character that's why i'm so like defensive that's why i like like i don't know when fans do like their own stuff and like 
take characters and rip them off and do their own versions. Like okay. I, lo- I love that. Like I started out that way. I mean, like so. Par- Paradox just to rip off a of Zim. Hey now, <laughs> you know it's true. Oh. Um, I remember when I was younger. Instead of like, I, I, I used to draw a lot of Spider-Man stuff, and I was like, no, I am Spider-Man. <laughs> so I just, I just, I made this crossover comic with like a, uh, me as Spider-Man, Blossom from Powerpuff Girls, and then Captain Underpants, and we just like, we just fought crime and stuff, and. I think I lost them. I only have one picture that's that remained from the uh, from the purge. Lost media, as I call it. Lost media. Uh, <laughs> Nolan, Nolan's a Spider-Man crossover comic. I, I'm trying to think what I drew. Well, I didn't really draw any weird crossovers. Although I did draw a lot of like art of Kirby getting hurt. My mom didn't like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I not she was a child. Surprised. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, like, I drew, like, Sonic the Hedgehog being shot by a bunch of missiles. This was, like, back when Sonic Adventure was was the thing. Anyway, like, I showed it to my mom, and she was like, hmm, I see. And then she started ripping it up in front of me. <laughs> I mean, she was supportive of my art, but she did not want me drawing, like, Sonic getting blown up a billion times. <laughs> so, when I was a kid, I wound up drawing, um, it was just essentially tails, but with pants. <laughs> like, like I called him Bobcat because he was, he was he was didn't look anything like a Bobcat. So he was Bubsy, was, basically. Oh. And like um, I was really into Dragon Ball Z at the time too. So like I drew another character that was just basically like a uh, not a samurai. Um, it's just like a black haired version of Tails, but with like generic samurai looking like clothing. <laughs> and his name was Tamurai the Samurai. Like, I was amazing at titles and names. I mean, you basically created the reverse of Bubsy, like a cat who wears pants this time. <laughs> That's true. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Are you guys excited that Bubsy is verified and ready to get back in the gaming industry? Yeah, he's back. He's, got, he's on Twitter. He's, he's why? Why, why, are we, why are they doing this? M- memes? I don't know. Because people will probably pay... For it, for the ironic value. I like how there's that one Sonic-looking rip-off character on OKKO, that old man with the Sonic shoes. Oh, Crinkly Wrinkly. Yeah, who started off that weird episode, you know, the one. Is actually a background character from the pilot. I remember, yeah. Uh, When we we were making the show and we wanted to make new characters, we just kind of went to the pilot and we're like, Let's turn some of these weirdo background characters into into actual uh, characters. And he was one of them. Hmm. Uh, and we were just like, what is this guy's deal? Yeah. And then we just kept, like, drawing him into stuff, and he got funnier and funnier. <laughs> what was the deal with the uh, the guy who runs the uh, food truck? Why does he look like Gumball? Was that intentional? Gumball? No, like, there's the guy in a food truck, and he kind of resembles Gumball. Oh, Beardo? Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, I guess, like, because he has, he's got, like, uh, wispy beard hairs that maybe kind of look like um, uh, Gumball's uh, whiskers. Yeah. Beardo, Beardo actually, like, predates Gumball from a really long time. That was from, like, a comic I did, um, uh, like, like way back in the day, like, on the Something Awful forums. <laughs> uh, there was a character called Beardo at the end, and then I kind of reused him when I made the pilot. Yeah, I just Googled him. He looks like he's blue, sure, but, like, doesn't remotely look like Gumball. 
Well, I don't know. In the OKKO pilot, Liquid Plaza Turbo, that's what it looked like to me. Because that's the worst when you come up with a character and then someone makes a character that's eerily similar. I mean, it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, there's like a billion, there's like a billion ideas out there. You yeah. know, especially to like young artists who are like, oh god, my ideas are gonna get. Don't worry about it. Just make it. Yeah, you know, someone makes a thing that's kind of similar. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, complain about it? Like, just make your thing. You can go on creating your thing. You're going to do it differently anyway. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it, fine. it doesn't matter who came first. All that matters is which one was better, you know? Ha. I did come up with a question. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to actually ask about or, like, answer it. Um, we noticed that KO had a voice actor change in random episodes. Uh-huh. Um, can, you, can you, like, talk about that? Like... Yeah, yeah, I can totally talk about it. Actually, no one's ever, like, asked me about it straight up. Special move? Okay, my turn. Whoa. The answer is actually really boring, which is why I'm glad nobody asked me. Uh, the answer is like scheduling. Uh, when you make a show, uh, the schedule is so much more intense before. Uh, we made the show, we were just making a short every once in a while. There was like those, the, the mobile game and the pilot, which are like, they're kind of things that weren't happening like on a regular time frame and stuff. So when the actual show happened, it's just like schedules didn't work out. So, you know, scheduling just sucks. It's, there's a lot of things that go into making a TV show and, one of them is just making sure you can get all the people on the right schedule and stuff. And there's like, you know, it's 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 boring because it's so non-notable since uh, that happens all the time in ways that aren't really perceivable. Uh, you know, we want to get a certain actor or a certain artist to work on an episode and the schedules just don't work out or it's too much of a commitment for the person at the time. Uh, it happens. I don't know. That's that's what it's like when you're creating a show, you mm -hmm. know. Um, how heartbroken were you, or like, were you upset about the change? Because, because like, obviously, Kid Goku as your main character, they, they, it, it's so harmonious. Like, it's very like obvious that you had that voice in mind. I mean, it's running. like I said, it's like one of those things where you know it's hard to be super emotional about it because it's a um, it's like. It's like a clerical scheduling. It's like the most boring. It's like a problem you have on like an Excel spreadsheet. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to be it's hard to talk about it in that way. I will say, though, I'm really I'm really happy with, uh, you know, the work that we did. So and, uh, you know, and and the thing that was good was that, uh, you know, we have um, we were able to use everything uh like any like any full episodes that she had recorded we actually used like her her uh voice in the final one and uh you know but we we're working with uh courtney taylor who's who's an amazing amazing uh va who has done like tons of video games you know mass effects fallout you know uh and she's like brought something to the role which which is really amazing and uh it's she's super fun it's super fun like messing around uh in the booth 
uh, and doing like, uh, you know, fun, weird runs with KO and Rad and Enid, uh, you know, so I'm super happy with the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a I have a question, actually. Uh, yeah. What uh, I know that um, you really like that Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon that I guess I remember is the one that aired at six in the morning. Yes. Which up. one? Adventures. Uh, Adventures yeah. of Sonic the Hedgehog. And it was because it was on at the same time as the Saturday morning one, which was confusing. Yeah. But uh, but was that? I mean, to me, that looks like it was a big influence on OKKO. OK is yeah, that? It's, that's, oh yeah, I, I mean, see it. Yeah, that's right on. That's like right on. It was a massive influence. Oh, okay. uh, that show is hilarious. Oh um, yeah. I think like at the time, like you know, uh, there's the there's the Sat AM Sonic cartoon, and I think like definitely at the time when I was a kid. I was like, oh, Sat AM is the best. The weekday oh, no. one is the weekday I, one is awful. You know, I was <laughs> totally like I was so pretentious about it. But actually going back, uh the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog holds up, I think, really well and even better. Yeah. Uh Long John Baldry is Dr. Robotnik is hilarious. <laughs> Every line read of him, it's so funny. It's just like a huge, fat, corpulent man who loves himself. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. And then the robots are great, too. Scratch, Grounder. And... <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, oh, all those, yeah. All those like, you know, and that's a huge, huge inspiration on me. I, that's um, why that's actually why my little brother still eats chili dogs. Anytime <laughs> I'm with him, he gets a chili dog. He's like, remember that Sonic cartoon? Because he liked chili dogs in the in the. What, yeah, Adventures he, of Sonic, but not in the other one or something? No, I think, he liked him, I think he eventually liked them in both. And I oh, think in Sad AM, they kind of, at least in Sad AM and the Archie comic, they kind of imply that, like, Sonic's uncle is really good at making chili dogs, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh. Something, yeah. They didn't carry that over to the games until uh, Sonic Unleashed when, like, yeah. eating food became, like, a good way to get XP. I thought it was. Uh, I thought chili dogs were first mentioned in Black Knight. Actually, I think, no. Unleashed predates. Yeah. Unleashed predates Black Knight oh, by Unleashed a year. Unleashed was first, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Nolan knows way too much about Sonic. I do. I definitely. That's great, want Nolan. You and Sonic I. You, you and I are going to be fast friends then. Uh oh. All right. I look forward to it. Uh, I really want classic Sonic and the games to be voiced by uh, Urkel. Like I want to feel like. Yeah, I want that to be brought over so well, badly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, he's, a, he's a lot older now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Have you seen that Sonic fan film where they brought back Urkel and he does not sound the same? His uh, if if you ever have a chance to get that uh, Sat AM DVD, I got it. There's an there's that there's an amazing special feature with Jaleel White talking about uh, how he created the voice for Sonic, and it's it's actually like. A really, it's actually like a really inspiring. Like, if anyone's into voice acting, uh, hearing his like uh, sort of how he came up with it and like what he tried to do, how he kind of made like a cool guy. He's like he's a cool dude, but he's not a specific cool dude. He's like part surfer, part street punk. Hmm. Uh, you know, he's like he like kind of took all these different voices and mixed them together. It's like it's like really, really inspiring. It's very cool. 
Someone in the chat asked a really interesting question. I'm sorry, it, the, the chat's going up, so I really wanted to make sure it gets asked. Um, if the Mong John voice actor for Robotnik was still wasn't dead, um, would you have approached him for Boxman instead of Jim Cummings? Oh, uh, uh, no. I oh. always I always wanted to work with Jim. That's, <laughs> he's like a voice acting hero of mine. Uh, yeah, I forever. And you know, as much as I loved, I loved Long John's Robotnik. But I also loved Jim's Robotnik. They're both really up there for me. I think Jim's Robotnik is really funny because it's like it's like an evil guy who just he's so into being evil that just doing evil things like makes him like super happy. Uh, and so like that voice is just like really funny to me. It's just hilarious. Yeah. And also Jim can do he can do everything. Mm-hmm. He's 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 amazing. Yeah, because I love Jim Cummings. For anyone yeah. listening, uh, Jim Cummings did the voice of the Robotnik in the Satyam Sonic, the be- what I thought was the best Sonic cartoon. Literally anything I... Disney, you could probably like find out the Jim voice something in it. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh, yeah. the singing voice. Was it the singing voice for he Scar? Sang- yeah, he sang for Scar. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. He, he did the Scar song, which is like amazing. Go back and listen to it, and like. Imagine Winnie the Pooh in your head, and you're like, holy crap. Scar from Lion King. <laughs> yeah, but, I have one Jim Cummings story. Uh-oh. Um, I actually have I, – I don't buy autographs. Like, I, it's just not something I care about. But Jim yeah. Cummings was, like, one that I had to do. Uh, when the Dark Knight Rises movie came out, I, I drew a <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises uh, with Taurus Bulba and, like, a, instead of a broken Batman helmet, it's a, the hat. And uh, I didn't get to meet Jim Cummings at that time – but I had my friend Jake because I was at a convention and he was at a different convention with Jim Cummings. So I had Jake print off a movie poster size of that and have it signed by Jim. And Jim like tweeted it out. And I got really, really excited. Then eventually he came to an Indianapolis convention. It was called Awesome Con, but there was like no one there. So it was uh-huh. more like Awkward Con. And, uh, <laughs> so there was like no line. So I just basically got to chat with him for like 20 minutes. And uh, when I, I came and I was like, hey, I saw you tweet this picture. So I printed off him a poster size version of it. And he asked for me to sign it. So I felt very like privileged that like a famous person asked for my autograph. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I had a, like a, a small local con and got to talk to uh, Dana Schneider, the voice of uh, Master Shake for like 20 minutes. And I don't know, somehow I got into the topic of like, yeah, I do videos, you know, I, I'm not, I don't brag, no. And, and I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. I just told him, like, yeah, <laughs> I did a podcast with people like uh, C.H. Greenblatt and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, here's my personal email. Me- message me and I'll probably be on. And, you know, we're still figuring things out. Oh, cool. That's cool. I mean, it was a small con nobody was at. And also Marceline's voice actor was there, Olivia Olsen. Oh, isn't she? She's from <laughs> Love Actually, isn't she? I think Olivia so. Olivia Olsen? Yeah, 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 she was, yeah, she was in that. Yeah. She's the girl who, I, I mean... She sings. She sings. All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, like. my wife. Or my wife watches. I have to watch that every Christmas. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. I, did, and it's her. You, it's her and and uh, Phineas is is the boy who likes her. Which I, I was when whoa. they both had voice voice roles on TV. I was like, this is hilarious. Like Phineas whoa. and and I never do that nerd shit where I'm like, it's Hawkeye and. And Scarlet Witch in the same movie, der, but with Love Actually, I guess I do. Oh. <laughs> hey, do you guys mind if I um if I uh, blow through a couple chat questions? Yeah, yeah go ahead. That I see this is from American Nightmare twenty three. Ian and Jim, I know this is the cliche, but what advice would you give to an aspiring show creator? 
<laughs> oh, um, um, just make it. Yeah. Because that, that was, was like what, our. That was exactly what I was going to say. That, that was our big thing. Because the, the other thing is, we were literally the year anniversary of us graduating college is when Knockforce first went up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Literally. And yeah. people would ask me, like, no one who was in our peer group was really making that much stuff. It was pretty rare. Yeah. And people would, co- like, we'd get that at parties and stuff. Like, how did you do it? And I go, well, we just did it. We just did it. We started yeah. developing it. We didn't know if it was going to work, but we were like, we can't just yeah sit around in our shitty jobs and stuff. We got to do something. And that's I've like, said, I've, yeah, I've said it a lot. Like, like stop describing yourself as aspiring. Just yeah. do the thing and then take the word aspiring out. Stop being an aspiring no, like, show creator. Make a show. Or if, um, you're, if, if yeah. you're sitting around and you're like, how come no one's made this kind of video or this kind of show? Most of the time you can do that now. It's yeah. like there's lots of times where whether it's a review or a knockforce cartoon where we went, how come we why don't we just do it? And we did it. Yeah. And we're like yeah. much happier that it and it feels better like personally. Once it's done, you're like, okay, I got that out. Now I can do another thing. It's like really refreshing, honestly. Yeah. Also, I know the question wasn't directed to me, but I also think of something I learned from making my own stuff is don't worry so much about being a perfectionist. Because you you see things like as like from the whole, you see the whole picture, whereas everybody sees like kind of what you present them. So you see every single flaw and every single thing in the thing you make, and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. But chances are a lot of people are not going to notice well, that, like half or more of the things you do. So That's actually – yeah. Unless you point really them out good, to them and then you shoot yourself if, in the foot, by all means. And if you, if you get good at uh, like making your own stuff, eventually someone will be like, hey, do you want to make a thing and then I'll pay you for it? Because you've already shown that you can make things. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people don't consider that that's a huge part of it. People think that someone's just going to show up and be like, hey, will you make a thing for me and I'll pay you? But if you don't have stuff you've made, how will they know how to find you? Yeah. Um, you should just you should just make stuff. Actually, if you, one modern success story of that is Andy Muschietti. I might mis, be mispronouncing that name, but the guy who directed it he directed Mama before that, and how he got Mama was he made this short film also called Mama, and Del Toro saw Guillermo Del Toro saw it and said, "I want to give this guy money to make a movie," and then yeah. he made Mama, and now he's made it, which is this huge thing. And same with like like any huge director or animator, it's usually like they just were making stuff because they yeah. had to do it, and then they eventually got to be who they are. But there was, I mean, from someone who went to like film school, there's so many kids who say, "Well, if I had a million dollars." then I'd really do this. And I'd always look at them, but now they like don't do anything because they never got to the, got in the process to do that thing that cost a million dollars. So yeah, don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Do it. Another quick question. Greg B. Artstream asked me who was in charge of the sound effects. Uh, And they love how Rad's Ray is Jetson (laughs) Stinger. Um, uh, That was something I, uh, have been like uh uh working on since the pilot sort of my one of the ideas for the show is that uh it's a uh it's like a anime video game world but it has uh hanna-barbera dna uh in the world so like things objects make hanna-barbera sounds 
Um, and like a lot of times what we do, it's, it's kind of imperceivable. Rad's Ray is, yeah, it's that classic, uh, Hanna-Barbera sound, but actually Enid and KO, uh, have Hanna-Barbera sounds mixed in on their powers too. Um, uh, Enid's, well, I, I could just, I, I'll tell you KOs, you can listen to it. Uh, if you ever hear him fire off a uh, punch, if you listen really closely, you can hear like an El Cabong <laughs> sound. Um, like, and I would say like most times we do like uh, like spe- like sound effects. I always try to mix a Hanna Barbera sound in with real foley uh, and realistic noise, uh, mm-hmm. just because I love that texture and um, I love Hanna Barbera cartoons. So yeah. That kind, of, that kind of reminds me of how Law and Order's uh, Dun Dun is just literally a, a like mixes like a judge gavel and like a police siren and locked jail cells like all of these crime noises just in one thing, and that's <laughs> yeah. what the Law and Order sound effect is. And tell them exactly how you feel. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll always regret it if you don't. Don't let the holidays go by without love. Actually. Although I kind of want to go back to like uh, since we were talking about the movie Love Actually with uh, since Marceline was in it. Um, what I have a terrible really? story that happened in high school relating to Love Actually. Oh God. Okay. No. Fine. I don't know if I ever told this, but basically. Oh, no, uh, you didn't. I didn't. No, no, no. I wouldn't have if I knew there was a terrible story. I wouldn't have brought it up. Okay, so basically in high school, uh, I don't know. It was like um, I guess near Christmas, and we were watching a movie, and like the teacher just put on Love Actually thinking it was a PG-13 movie when it really wasn't. It was an R-rated movie, and there's, I mean, a big subplot that takes place in, like, a, you know, there's a lot of sex. It's like a porn, it's a porn shoot. Yeah. But there's stand-ins for a porn shoot. Yeah, there's a lot of sex scenes in the movie that are very graphic. (laughs) Well, as graphic as R-rated can get, I guess. But the the teacher didn't know that, and she wasn't watching the movie, too. She was just, like, working on her desk, and we were just, all the students were like, uh, should we be watching this? (laughs) And, like, one of the, some other teacher comes into the room, and, like, she wasn't even looking at the screen. She was just talking to the other teacher. And nobody, none of the teachers brought up anything. Like, the, the scene was going on on screen and we're like uh what's going on <laughs> we were all just confused <laughs> that reminds me of when i was in my 2d design class and my teacher put on the movie perfect blue by satoshi Kone, and it got to the uh the uh, burlesque scene oh, and it oh, was yeah. really it was really graphic and horrible and like it made a lot of some of the students visibly uncomfortable and he's just talking about the cinematography and i'm like Dude, I I don't know if the school board would be okay with this. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) also later I asked the teacher, like, so did you know that movie was R-rated? And she's like, no, it's PG-13. It's like, lady, no, it's (laughs) R-rated. Look at the box. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. And then later, like, I think the next time we had, like, a vacation day, like, she said, sorry, everyone, uh, uh, Pan informed me that the movie's PG thirteen, so we can't is not PG thirteen, so we can't watch it. It's like, whoa, like she fuck, she freaking just laid the blame out on me in front of everyone. She doesn't, she doesn't know snitches get stitches. She shouldn't. <laughs> she snitched you out like on that. me. Well, I snitched yeah. on. Wait, I, did I snitch on her? I don't even know. I mean, you kind, you kind of snitched. You can't be snitching. Dang, now. you snitched on her to her face. Dang. Well, that's something. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, let's go into the questions. I have a question for Ian, actually. What up? 
What do you think of Sonic Forces? Um, well, I got to play it a couple times. Uh, what what I've played of it so far, I I thought was thought was okay. I didn't get to I didn't get to uh, make a custom character though. Uh, all the times, uh, so I haven't gotten to mess around with that. But uh, mm-hmm. I played the custom character stage, and it was it was interesting. It's kind of like a you know a mix of like weird like platforming and like a few like speed semi speed sections. Mm-hmm. It was very like yeah I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it'll be okay. I don't know. I mean it's Sonic, so I'm gonna buy it. But yeah, uh, I heard the Switch version was a uh, was a uh, really really bad and poorly optimized. But I also saw the new Casino Forest gameplay and classic Sonic slope physics have just seemed to be completely removed. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I if you know if you want that, you have Sonic Mania. So you know, true Mania think, is pretty. You know, pretty they're, they're they're purposefully segmenting up uh, their fan base, and I think that's a really smart idea for them to do because. Uh, you know, you don't want everybody like picks up like these modern Sonic games and they're like, what the heck? This isn't <laughs> Sonic. And it's like, well, uh, they gave you one, you know, they gave one for all of us who wanted that, you know, uh, myself mm-hmm. included, you know. But I think, you know, that Sonic Forces, it's it's targeted at like a market that exists that really wants that game. And, you know, I, I say more power to that. I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. Same. I just upped my PC, so I'm really excited to play it. I just hope I have the right specs. <laughs> I mean, Sonic's, the Sonic modding community is honestly the best thing in the world. Yeah. Did you know? That, did you know that in Generations they made a mod for like Knuckles and Tails, and they they can both fly and glide? Yeah, I've seen that one. It's yeah, pretty, it's Whoa. pretty insane. I, I love Sonic Generations mods so much. Ian, you're a fan of Sonic. Do you have any embarrassing stories pertaining to Sonic? Like every Sonic fan. Embarrassing stories, like stories of me getting humiliated, or <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, I think I, you can't... I have stories myself doing embarrassing things relating to Sonic. I think oh, uh, when when we... Sonic Underground, the show <sighs> Sonic Underground, came out, Ew. Um, I disliked it so much I... that I wrote a I wrote like a parody song about how much it was bad. <laughs> Um, I never like performed it or anything. Wait, I think I just wrote it was, down. I think I just wrote it down in text, and I like posted it on maybe like Ken Pender's forum or something. <laughs> oh no! Not oh, Ken Pender's. No. What, what song was it a parody of? It was a song. It was like a parody of the opening of Sonic Underground <laughs> about how bad it was. Oh. Um, and you know, it's like one of those things that it didn't work in text. I have no. I, I wish I could find it uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I hate Sonic Underground. Yeah, it's like Phineas and Ferb meets Sad AM. I think. I mean, honestly, was, Sonic yeah. Underground. If it didn't have the musical instruments and the weird brother and sister thing, like it's it's kind of darker than the other two in oh, the sense yeah. of like Robotnik already won. <laughs> like they're on. They're underground. They're running away. You know, like yeah. they're, they're, they're like. Everything's lost, and they're trying to get their, you know, the bearings again. But yeah, then, I mean, now I'm now I'm I'm not as vitriolic about it, but I remember at the time, you know, <laughs> I was a teenager, so emotions ran high with everything, and I was just like, "This yeah. is the worst." Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Look. I mean, I I liked it. 
when I saw it. I actually ran into UPN. It was showing like syndicated episodes of it, and I was just like, oh. Cool, another Sonic cartoon. I was just excited to have another Sonic cartoon. I I, I, I was just like I, I was just like psyched that um there was like an episode where they included uh Knuckles' yeah. grandfather, a Thayer from the comics, where I was like, Whoa, they really did it. And he sounded like uh he like sounded like Sean Connery. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah. Are there any other stream uh chat oh, questions? Cool. Because I feel like on, I feel see. like I see the same people asking things. I like how whenever we have guests over, we end up just talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, almost. Can, yeah, that seems to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, well, let's take a chat question from like the YouTube comments. Uh, uh, Justin says, Justin Trademark says, question: What modern cartoons that people would love if it aired ten years ago? And wait, wait. <laughs> crap! How do you read this? Wait, what? Okay, if uh-huh. a, if a modern day cartoon, think of a modern day cartoon, and if it were to release ten years ago, which uh, cartoon would uh, have the would be hated today but loved by nostalgia value back then? That question is so heady. I'm, I, I'm, I'll let wait, someone else answer. I'm that really thing. I'm really confused by that. Okay, actually. okay. Well, like, let's say okay. So like, if there was a show now that that <laughs> would started then, we'd be nostalgic for it now. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> okay. Hey God. Okay. Well, let me give an example. Like, I guess the reverse of that question. Like, if Cow and Chicken was released today, people would be would hate it. It would be disgusting. Everyone would be like, "Why are they airing this garbage on Cartoon Network?" I actually think Cow and Chicken's one that. I was actually a little into Cow and Chicken. I had like a VHS tape of some Cow and Chicken for a little bit. I love Cow and Chicken. Yeah, I never understood why that's that hasn't well, really gotten the the Cow and Chicken the, was uh, hilarious. Boneless like, Chicken was super funny. <laughs> yeah, like uh, when's that getting like, the nostalgia te- love? Their teacher was hilarious. That show was really good. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like people are really harsh on stuff though. So yeah, like I mean, you know, well, I feel like that that could. If I if I'm interpreting whatever this question is, if that aired now, I think that would do well because comedy is so big on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and stuff. I, I think, think they might be referring to the fact that, like, as far as humor goes, it's pretty raunchier than compared to things on TV now. Like, um, uh, like people, it was, it did feel like, like that and a uh, flapjack where it felt like you're like, how did they get this on, kind of thing. Yeah. Which, which I thought was fun, more so with Flapjack. I was always like, was like, whoa, how'd this get on TV? But I loved Flapjack a lot. But you know. Yeah, but, but but I think, but if Cow and Chicken was made today, it would, I feel like people would criticize it the same way they criticize, like, Uncle Grandpa and uh, Secret Mountain Fort Awesome, where it's like, oh, this is disgusting. I'm not going to watch this, even though a lot of these commenters are, I think, in their 20s or 15s. I don't know. Yeah, it's like teens or you know, I do, I do sort of think, and maybe this is not how to interpret this question, but I feel like in about twenty years, Adventure Time's gonna have a huge nostalgia boom. Hmm. Yeah. Like, cause it's like not people are kind of, I guess, a little more done with it at this point. But like when it's gone for a little bit, I feel like people go, "Hey, remember when that show was really big?" Because it was such a part of the early 2010s. I feel like yeah. when 2010 nostalgia hits, people are going to be like, let's reboot Adventure Time or something. Oh, you know? yeah. I, to- I totally see that one happening. You know. <laughs> uh, here, here's a counter question to that. 
at what age because i think everyone at a certain point enjoyed all cartoons that was on the air like we didn't discriminate we just kind of like whatever was on the tv we watched you know um and then at a certain point now we're very selective and choosy about what shows we're watching like we only have like five that at most most people are like yeah those are the current ones i'm on um Mm -hmm. what age did we start being selective about cartoons i i actually i actually think part of the thing with that is like I grew up in a time where I would literally just get up early to be there when Saturday morning cartoons started and we just, wa- yeah, we would just watch the whole thing from beginning to end. It didn't yeah. matter if we liked like a show like Tasmania or something, we were going to watch it, but now it's all on demand and stuff. And so kids, when I see a kid now, they know they have to go to Netflix and they're going to watch this show and they're going to do this thing. Like, I don't think you could get a kid to sit there and watch a block of shows. So I think like Sam, that's the big difference. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, I, I don't think I ever became that kid because I was just, I had a voracious appetite for anything animated because I loved cartoons so much. Uh, even if I didn't totally a hundred percent like a show, I'd watch it anyway, just cause it was a cartoon and I was fascinated by animation. So it didn't really matter to me. I used to like, I used to like take our family's TV guide and highlight everything that was animated and just watch everything. <laughs> that happened to me when, uh, I guess during high school, like during like 2008, 2009 Cartoon Network, like all the stuff, like my gym partner's a monkey and Chowder. Like I wasn't into like later on I got into Chowder and not so much my gym partner's a monkey, but you know, you know. Oh, uh, let's see. RCH says one. 125 says, question, Ian, what's your favorite OKKO episode? Oh, I can't pick a favorite. They're all my children. I love them so much. (laughs) I was going to make that comparison. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, no, they're all good. I would say it's whichever one is on next in your time zone. So you should watch (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Uh, Hang on, we buried buried. What a sellout. Thanks for not answering that question. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. AJ <laughs> Fave says, question for Ian. What are your thoughts about New York Comic Con having the Cartoon Network panel, the Tip Mouse panel, and the voiceover panel for Twisted Tunes at the same time on Saturday, making animation fans such as myself choose which panel to go to? Wow. Uh, I, I don't work for New York Comic Con, yeah. so I, it's hard for me to answer that. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, asking the opinion of the situation. Yeah. Oh, like my thoughts on it? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a con, so choose the one that you like the best and go to that one. I mean, like, uh... and then if you maybe if you're going to the con with uh, some friends. You all split up. You record all the panels. <laughs> then you you like go later. Switch phones. Watch everything you missed. <laughs> you can't just send the files. You have to you have to switch the. Physical. You have yeah. to switch phones. <laughs> file sharing's illegal now. The files the files are going to be huge. Yeah. Like just, just switch phones. That's yeah. fine. I mean, so, the, so the, the internet doesn't phone. work that well in the Javits Center, so you're going to have problems. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, I feel bad for Rojo Bear because he's been asking this about 50 million times. Um, has Scott Pilgrim versus the world influenced um, OKKO at all, Ian? Oh, Scott Pilgrim? Not really directly OKKO. I would say that uh, I know that I have a lot of the same 
uh, inspirations that Brian Lee O'Malley has. I, I know he's a huge fan of Osamu Tezuka and, uh, you know, old video games. And, you know, we're definitely drawing from the same well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a specific way that that influenced the show itself. It's definitely like Scott Pilgrim is like, you know, it definitely uh, informed it had like a, it, it, it encapsulated a lot of uh, things that a certain type of nerd really likes. And I would include myself in, in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, follow up question. Did you see uh, the uh, Osama Tezuka secret uh, furry drawings? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. Dude. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. If uh, you should check out his um, his uh, biography, they like put out this incredible biography. Tezuka Productions did that's all about his like young life and him getting into comics and like him opening an animation studio. It's super interesting. But very early on, like as a kid, he's like, you know, there's a thing that I like, and it's trans. It's like tra- he likes transformations. He likes, like, you know, stuff where it's, like, animals, and you know, and he's very much, like, unabashed, like, this is what I'm interested in. Hmm. I see a lot of myself in him. I mean, you know, it's only good, the more honest an artist can get, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Stamp Walk says, uh, question, when can we buy OKKO OK merch? When's that coming? Is that ever coming out? Oh, gosh. That's like another one of those questions where it's like, I wish I could tell you, but yeah. I, I don't know. Dang. I just make the show. It's kind of up to everybody else to do all the other things. That's like someone's job that I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I oh, don't. I, I don't have. I'm remembering, like, hey, whatever happened to Garnet's Hulk hands? Like, I remember at some toy fair, they had photos of, like, Hulk hands, but designed like Garnet's gloves. And it's like, no, what happened? I want those. Yeah. Why isn't that ever released? I don't know. I, I wish I wish I could tell you guys. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> but uh, going back to the Comic-Con question about, like, multiple things going on at the same time for animation. Like, that happened during comic. Like, okay. Uh, 2016 Comic-Con, there was not that much animation going on for panels, but this Comic-Con for 2017, there was a ton, and it was like, uh, I gotta pick and choose which one I do want to go to, because, like, a, like, Turner Broadcast has one all throughout the day for, in the Ballroom 20 floor, and at the same day, they have, like, Star Versus and Buddy Thunderstruck, it's like, great, now I gotta pick and choose which one I want to go to see, and... <laughs> How many other questions? Because, like, Ian, I th- don't you have to go somewhere? I, I do, but I do want to take as many of the stream questions uh. as possible. Or any, or if you guys have any other, like, interview style oh. things you want to ask about, or we could talk about cartoons, whatever. Oh, I have I have a question. Hmm. What's up? Will there oh, ever boy. be a spider-themed hero that'll show up soon? <gasps> spider-themed? Yeah, that wraps I, people up. You know, Hong Kong. Yeah, that wraps that wraps people up specifically, either Rad or Beardo. I'm not I'm not speaking on my own behalf, but just for a friend. Um, I can't <laughs> say can't say anything specific. Uh, keep watching the show. Yeah. Oh, um, that would you know that would end up being a spoiler. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. I'm I'm just say, I'm just saying you know that there's. Oh, damn it. TNT three racist is OKKO's okay <laughs> crew secretly furries. 
Is is the crew secretly furries? Yeah, we saw that episode about the furries, you know. Oh yeah, um, I I'm not personally a yeah. furry, but I would say that you know we definitely have like fur sympathetic people on the crew, <laughs> and I sympathetic. I you know fur apologists. <laughs> You know, I've never heard that know. term before. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Like I, I'm I would not... say, there's a lot of amazing artists and cartoonists uh, who who draw anthropomorphic animals, oh, bully. and you know, that's like a it's a huge part of our childhoods. Like animal cartoons and characters, and you know, that episode was just a huge, just a huge like uh, tribute to all of that. Like you know, all the stuff we grew up with. Oh, Plastic Robot Studios has question: What's inspired Ian's off model obsession? Cause, uh, oh, uh, I would. So it's kind of something that we watched, uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, <laughs> had this um, had this really funny animation style um, where the characters could like do like practically anything. When I was growing up, I loved uh, characters that like you know I loved when animation could get like weird and strange. I would say going back to like Fleischer cartoons. Um, like characters like squashing and stretching and like turning into stuff um, and a lot of like objects coming alive and like getting kind of weird. Um, and uh, when I started working in the industry, a lot of people who I'd worked with worked on Flapjack and Adventure Time, uh, which I worked on as well. And the great thing about those shows is that the adherence to the model sheet wasn't, uh, wasn't super set in stone. So you actually got to see like a lot of like, incredible individuality in the storyboarders. If you go back and watch a Penn Ward uh, boarded episode of Flapjack, like you see his like style like come through, mm-hmm. um, and it's that's just really fun to me. Um, a lot of it, actually, it's weird. Uh, you know, I've talked about uh, things going off model and how much I like it, and uh, for for some reason. That started spreading this like kind of rumor or meme that I don't use model sheets, that the shows don't have model sheets or reference, but that's untrue. Every single thing we do has a model sheet. There's We have to create reference for every single moving prop, character, object, background. I mean, we use model sheets for everything. Um, and uh, But I just... To me, I like when things go off model because you get to see more of the individuality of the artist behind them. And I think you get to have it's kind of like a risk reward thing. Like, you know, sure, the character might like change height or something if that's like something you're really like freaked out about. I'm really sorry. But like you also the reward to that is you get more unique drawings, more funny drawings. Uh, more like silly drawings, like more drawings that you can just like laugh at, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 pretty much what inspired that. One of the things uh, that when I worked on Adventure Time uh, and I was like, you know, doing storyboards, uh, one of the things Penn said to me really uh, made like a big impression on me was like he was like asking me like, what what is a joke? And I was just sort of like, oh, you know, it's when one character does something and then another character says something else. And he was like, you know, a joke isn't just like a setup and a punchline. A joke can be like 
what's like a funny face that someone makes or like what's the awkward way someone sits down in a chair what's the weird way someone eats a sandwich or like you know like like i feel like a funny drawing is the best way to um express that kind of like joke telling and it's something i'm i'm really really big into uh and i think i think that I don't know. For me personally, uh, when I see a show and the characters can have uh, can make weird faces and change and and morph and grow and do whatever just to like fit the situation, like that's a show I want to watch. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because like the early episodes of Steven Universe, like I found it very jarring at first, but then I just grew used to it and found <laughs> just loved how ridiculous some of the faces became. I mean, like they're not very just like trying to be ridiculous but yeah. they're just like goofy looking sometimes just <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna go super into the weeds but it's it's especially funny with steven universe because like you know from the beginning like you know that was like part of the thought was like you know we're gonna make make this like funny weird cartoon and they're all gonna make weird faces and they're gonna like you know grow and shift like with regards to like where they're placed in the frame or like what they're doing. And, you know, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's purposeful, but you know, I understand it's not to everyone's taste, but uh, Mm -hmm. if it's not to your taste, there's, there are a lot of cartoons that adhere like very strictly to character models that you can watch. Yeah. um, For the sake of like transparency and just being flat out honest, um, I'm usually one of the more of the detractors of that type of mindset. But I was um, curious to know, like, with Steven Universe, it was a more plot oriented show as it went on. So do do you think like, uh, you know, like that sort of uh, off model sort of mindset, you know, like stuck around or do you think it was still appropriate? Because with the um, I I think I do, I I do, I do think it's appropriate. Um, you know, and I feel like, you know, but I feel like it's not, it's not to your taste. So, I mean, it's like an opinion. So, you know, there's lots of other stuff you can watch that does like super on model drawings, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want that, you can watch like another show. Uh, (laughs) but you know, the, the whole point of Steven universe is that, you know, Steven is like a funny cartoon boy. These are wacky cartoon characters. All of their all of their powers are based off of like weird toony things. And it's like if if that part of the show is, is not to your taste, I mean there's you know Do you guys know how to work this TV? I tried the button, but it doesn't go. Go back inside! Oh you guys are fighting. We're fighting! Right. It's not ever gonna turn into Justice League Unlimited, so <laughs> you know. You could you could watch one of those shows or something. We, we or we could all watch Static Shock and see how terrible digital compositing was in the early two thousands. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and a cameo by Shaquille O'Neal. There's a wealth of cartoons out there, and you know, it's like you don't have to like everything about the style of every show. I will say, even though I'm not the biggest um, fan of the um, art style, I do love all of your color choices and the line drawings. I really like how rough they are. It's very. It looks very nice. At least the color choices in the rough pencil art. That's very Aesthetic. gracious of you. <laughs> Even though Nolan just said, "I never mind." That's <laughs> <laughs> never mind. And I'm just being honest. Yeah, hey, I mean, I, I don't. I don't feel like being like you know, placating or Boy, anything. Boy, I can't but... wait till Lil Romeo does the intro music for season four of Steven Universe. 
Superhero what? Steven Universe. Whoop, whoop. I'm confused. Little, little Romeo did the intro to like the final season of Static Shock. Oh, really? I knew that, and I still thought it was a horrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there was a lot of weird celebrity guest stars in Static Shock for some reason. Like, it was a good show, but everyone will agree that the guest stars were pretty dumb. It was a good show after season two. Yeah. And, like, season one was really awkward, especially with the dialogue, because it was definitely, like, it felt like it was trying to be something that the writers weren't really comfortable writing. Uh, mostly the uh, the quote unquote jive talk or whatever I don't know what to call it, but they were just like over the top urban youth language, and then like when, once they stopped like trying and that so hard and became natural dialogue during season two, and they also um, got Virgil out of whatever that clown outfit was. Yeah, she was wearing like that McDonald's red and <laughs> yellow outfit, and all the colors were bright neon. It, it, it was just this rainbow shirt that, it, that looked like a McDonald's uniform shirt. It almost shirt. looked like Flash animated in a way. I mean, <laughs> and then they they're like, "Oh, screw it, we'll just put them in a sweater that looks really great." And then like, go ahead. I really hate like early two thousands anime because like that was also the beginning of computer animation and all the colors were very vibrant. Like I think Tenshi Muyo GXP and. Gundam Seed, I think it was. One of the Gundams that aired in the 2000s that looks so saturated and clean. I don't know. Like, I hated anime in that time, the style of it. Anyway, yeah. This isn't a question, but Nerdbane says Pan has this uncanny ability to embarrass himself in front of guests. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. No regrets. Superpower. That's his I could I could think of move. a few regrets you could have, honestly. Well, like, but what, if that if that's your prerogative, name name some. Totally fine. I'm 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 not surprised by any of this. Ian, uh, you you've seen me in person. Uh, was there any embarrassing moments we've had? You know, in person. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I'm curious hey. to hear this, especially. Hand. Uh, I'll I'll okay. There was one Comic Con, uh, where you ran up to me. And I was like, I was like going from a panel to a signing or like a press thing. And I was super out of it. And you ran up to me and I, I didn't recognize you for like a quick second. And I thought you were pan pizza and you were like, oh, I'm, you said like another name. (laughs) You said, you said you're like I'm a YouTube reviewer. I'm I can't remember. I, I, I said like I said it's me, Mr. Enter. Hello. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? I was just confused. <laughs> and did you feel yourself like astral project? Like, <laughs> no, I was just I was just confused. Like you know those um those conventions are like a crazy uh, experience because I have to do a lot of events and go from one place to another and uh like people lots of people are coming up to you and saying things and like you know so like you came up you misidentified yourself and i was just like wait what because i thought you were pan and then you said that you were mr enter and i was like huh and it just confused me uh so yeah so there you go I mean, I guess it was. A, I guess it was. A, I guess it was pretty funny. I guess, but yeah. Anyway. I think it was Ian later told me Pan had done this, and he said he said some other name, and I just went, "Did he say Mister Enter?" Because I instantly knew he said Mister Enter. I was like, "It had to be Mister Enter." Um, 
Somebody, um, American Nightmare 23 asked worst um, fan experiences or just experiences with a person in general, probably. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. We can go to the next thing. one. No. Okay. <gasps> Exotoro asked this multiple times. Uh, why did you change Enid's design, I'm guessing, from the pilot to the finished show? And Wiener knows. Oh. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we changed, like, all of the designs. The pilot was done, uh, I started working on it in 2011. Uh, that was a really long time ago. And uh, we had just drawn the characters a lot, like myself, and then Toby Jones, uh, who is the uh, co-executive producer on the show. And we had drawn the characters, like, millions of times. And then the characters just... You know, when you draw a character over and over and over, eventually they just kind of start to morph and change into something else. And, you know, uh, yeah. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of if you don't like uh, how you do something or you don't like how a drawing is, you should just change it to the thing that you do like. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't make a decision and then get stuck in it. Because in the last week, apparently, at some point, I was defensive, and I don't remember it, but, like, I had a couple messages where someone's like, so what's up with you getting defensive on the podcast? And my only response was, like, well, I'm human. You know, it's a character trait of mine. That's that's a thing that makes me me, you know? Um, and I don't – there's a lot of people that, like, tend to get, like, they're outsiders, they're spectators, and they, like, they see these changes and such that we might not be aware of, and they're just, like, very, like – condescendingly like why would you do that why'd you do that and you're like you weren't in the heat of the moment like you, you, um it's much easier to like dwell on something after it's done versus like when you when it happens um so i, I just find that like that relates to me a lot what you're saying yeah i you know i mean we're all human we you know we change we grow we make better decisions on the characters we draw it's you know it's good to be fluid yeah. having like uh, rigid definitions on you know oh this is good this is bad this is what i like this is what i don't like you know uh, when it comes to art it's you know it's not super helpful uh what's important is what works in that moment to convey the thought that you want to convey to that to the audience you know and uh you know it's something we all do as artists <laughs> also i find it funny how like both uh, enid and uh, raven from teen titans like Raven's original design ha also had, like, that same, like, loincloth sort of design, and they both changed it for animation because it's, I guess, it's easier to animate because having a loincloth thing is too hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, I hated drawing that stupid flap, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, um, how do you feel that a lot of people tend to associate detail with skill level or good like um, when Steven Universe went from pilot to the final show, the character designs went more simple. And a lot of people tend to like, well, the other one was detailed, so it's better. Oh, and it's such I mean, like I, a... I, I get that because when I was like when I was young, I used to look at really detailed drawings and just think they were good just because they had a lot of detail. Um, you know, I mean, about the Steven pilot and all pilots in general is that, you know, usually they're made super quick with super low budgets and not that much of a staff. Uh, a lot of times designs that and choices, creative choices that you see in pilots, they are not complete. Like the character maybe needed a couple more rounds of, of design ideas and color ideas uh, to get to be final. And I know that that's true for the Steven pilot and uh, the OKKO pilot as well. Um, you know, so 
Yeah, things things change because, you know, oftentimes a pilot is just like an early rough draft. People refine things over time. Like uh, for me, my character for Loki IRL, the, the main character, his design is so hard to draw. From, like it only looks good from the side. And whenever I have to show like a three quarter view, it looks terrible. So it's like, you know what? I got to change this. And, you know, it's for the better. It'll make sense in the story. So I'm not it won't be a jarring change, really. <laughs> yeah i mean you should just you should just go on and just draw what's best yeah you know? it's just constantly refining it like i remember danny antonucci saying how he, every time you draw something you're constantly refining it and changing how you draw because you know yeah absolutely Ooh, but is this at all for questions or just what uh let's let's do one more <laughs> oh man you, okay let's see um <laughs> all right Hmm. Question: Make What's your thought on representation on cartoons, and what's the best way to? Uh, I, that, the chat went too fast, ain't it? Um, <laughs> Sprinklebutt ninety nine asks: Question: What's your thought on representation on cartoons, and what's the best way to write diversity? Also, thanks for Izzy and Nolan for being an inspiration for me. Heart. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, Ian, take the floor. Take the mic. Oh, my specific feeling on it? I mean, you know, it's... it's uh, yeah, you, you run the, you run I the mean, show. I mean, if we're going to talk about this stuff, I can, I can just say, like, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm black, you know? Uh, and uh, for me, it's... I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to... I don't really think about it too much. Uh, I kind of just write about uh, the people I know and the friends that I have. Mm -hmm. um, not really looking to uh like check any specific boxes or anything like that um i'm just sort of being true to my experience so it is always better to write what you know instead of trying to like come up with something and it ends up just feeling like artificial and not from the heart yeah i mean all my yeah, I, I don't know how i don't know how to answer that for like somebody else's pov do you guys have any thoughts on that i don't know all 90 of my characters are mexican so i don't know <laughs> i think it's just you know to have it from the right perspective of you know to have shows from different cultural backgrounds and races and such and you know do them the best way you can you know and so you can basically be i don't know i'm not saying this very well at all I mean, I would just think about how, like, on, like, Sesame Street, because I watch Sesame Street now, um, that, like, <laughs> they have show? a lot of, what? Is it your favorite show? Uh, it's it's becoming my, well, it's the show I watch the most now, so I guess it probably <laughs> is. Um, but, like, they do really well with representation, because they naturally just have a character who, like, Rosita or um, Telly and his little lamb and stuff like that. And I think that works well as representation but it also works in that you don't actually know you know what they're just monsters they're not you know each of those whoa there what no no that that was that was no jim is jim no they mean on sesame street not other oh god muppets are not monsters no they they are actually like almost this is an avenue q El, uh, El, Elmo's technically a monster, but like Elmo, rude. Yeah, they call themselves monsters. Yeah, they did call. They? <laughs> yes, Jim, they did. Jim, you're dig you're digging your hole. You're digging. I, I know. I mon but, like, cooking monster does it quits. But like Elmo, for example, <laughs> who's like my daughter's favorite, is like. Uh, Elmo's mainly... always everyone's favorite. Why is your daughter such a mainstream? Yeah, well, I think I think it's because Elmo is red, 
And when you're a kid and you see a red, little red guy making a similar kid voice, you're just going to be attracted to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like he's normally vo- voiced by a black guy, but nobody associates race with Elmo. And I think that's one of the great things about sometimes doing representation in that show. I noticed is that you can have all these things, but you're not really thinking about it, but you're still like watching like a show, a multicultural show. You're just not, you know, it's not as, I guess wouldn't annoy. So I'm sure there are people who watch Sesame street who, if you had each of the people doing the Muppets, in a show, they wouldn't watch that show. So I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. I, yeah. This I, started in a good place, but I like to think that like uh, it should happen naturally and organically, and not to be like by numbers. Because I want, I feel like once you start like, okay, we have to have, uh, we're putting a number quote onto everything. It makes me rather uncomfortable. Um, but like, like for example, if it's a trans character in cartoons, I don't necessarily want their only thing to be the fact that they're the trans character. They're a person and a character first, and they just happen to be trans. Um, yeah, and I, I feel, I, I, go ahead. I feel representation should be incidental to the character, and not the central, like the sun to the solar system. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like w- once you're like making stories where it's just like, uh, you know, they're queer, and that's 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 their thing, and it's it, I don't know, it just uh, is a disservice to the character themselves. I feel, I feel the only time when representation should be a thing is if you're making either a period piece or something specifically about like racism, sexism, et cetera, when that's when that's when it really matters. If you have a, a character, an actor who could do a character really well, it shouldn't matter what race they are. It should just matter how well they can do the character. That's it. It's like yeah. that stupid, like from years ago, that Johnny Storm, Michael B. Jordan thing. When I heard that, I was like, oh, Michael B. Jordan's great. That would, that's perfect. But a lot of people got upset because I guess Johnny Storm has to be white or something. And like to me, that should be how you do representation is you find the best actor. And let's say it is not, you know, who can do the character the best way, not just how it's written or in the comic book, I guess. Going back to monsters, um, I like that scene in the Ninja, the second Ninja Turtles movie, the the Out of the Shadows, the Michael Bay one, where oh, that's not the second Ninja Turtles movie. The second Michael Bay Ninja that's Turtles like the movie, six or seven. Okay, so just to be specific, the, the Out of the Shadows, the 2014, 15 one, where the I got per- really excited, Pan. I thought you were going to talk about the Secret of the Ooze. No, yeah, I thought no. we were going to do Secret of the Ooze. Hey God, this is a scene that nobody ever brings up that only I love, but it was the scene where the the, the turtles are trying to break into a police 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 headquarters and like the police have guns pointed at the turtles and like the police are like what are they they're monsters they're monsters and mikey's like we're not monsters get down on the ground wait we're the good guys get on the ground what are those things they're monsters they're monsters not monsters we're not monsters and and mikey cries yes oh man (laughs) That that was like not. We're making this scene sound a lot better than it is. I'm just gonna say, like, if you turn on this movie tonight, you'll be like, oh, this movie's really bad. Like, Out of the Shadows is not a good movie. And then Bebop and Rocksteady are in that one, yeah. Krang, but it like doesn't. That was a bad movie. And and like in that scene, like uh, Megan Fox comes up and like tries blocks the path from like you know tries to be the human shield to the turtles, and she says, "Go, run, go now." <laughs> Go. Go now! It was surprising when they shot Megan Fox and they tried to cover it up. I was ah. like, 
that was the part of the movie I didn't see coming. Did you see that coming? Like, I was. Because they were like, "Who's Megan? Fo- who is this? Who's April O'Neil? I don't think she even existed." And they just erase her identity. That was a pretty shocking part of that. <laughs> well, this. Okay. Check it out tonight. Well, okay. The turtles out of the shadows. Yeah. So, is that all? You can all? watch a good Ninja Turtle sequel and watch Secret to the Ooze. Yeah. I was hoping you're gonna tell a story about Kino or something. <laughs> Nobody cares about Kino. Everyone loves Kino. Oh, the pizza delivery boy, whoopie doo! I love Kino. Wasn't he the original Ninja Turtle? Did you or something in the first one? What was the deal with that? I forget. What happened to Danny? Where, where, where'd he go? For like from the first movie? <laughs> oh, the the guy who was uh, the kid, Casey Joe. No, the oh, little the kid. Yeah, from the first movie. Oh. What did happen? Didn't they have a fan theory or something? I feel like there's. A- <laughs> I remember like workaholics had an episode where they ended up inside a, in, under a sewer and they're lo- they're trapped in there and they're all saying which Ninja Turtle are each of us and and one of them just says to the other, <laughs> "You're not Leonardo. You're a member of the Foot Clan. You are a Foot Clan member. Would you just say you're not just a member? You're Danny. Danny. You're that punk bitch, Danny. Danny. Yeah, you're Danny. I'm Leonardo. No, you're Danny. Katana Strike." <laughs> I'm not a loser. <laughs> it's the same thing with Mikey, except he starts crying and saying, "I'm not a loser." I'm not a monster. I think we yeah. covered it. I think I think we I think we've been through a, a, a like a, a spectrum of visceral experiences on this podcast. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Ian, you got busy things to do. Uh, yeah, I I I gotta take up, but I'm having a good time talking with you guys. Oh yeah, well this was yeah. fun. Like you you can come on again some other day. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it was great. It was great uh, being in a thing with Jim again. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course. They really course. want you to yeah, sing we, the Hot song. But we uh, we ta- we like talked about it when uh, like like we talked on the phone. We were talking about. I was talking about wanting to be on the uh, podcast, but it's like yeah, really, especially like if you know Jim's on it, like yeah, so we can oh. talk about Knock Forest and all that stuff. Oh, so that cool. was really fun. I had fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. We recorded two hours. (laughs) So, you guys want to say goodbye to the chat? Yeah, absolutely. Goodbye, Uh, friends. Goodbye, chat. Goodbye, everyone. Play us out, Emily. Goodbye, everyone. Play us out, Emily Uh, and Stephanie. Watch OKKO on Cartoon Network. Yeah, Yeah. watch 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 OKKO. Do not let Emily and Stephanie Stephanie near it. Oh man. Okay, first of all, whenever he says Emily and Stephanie s- sing the podcast out. He always switches into the uh, Stephanie voice. So is he Stephanie or is Stephanie a separate character on this podcast? I don't know. But it does not seem very consistent. I don't know and I don't want to find I out. Really Goodbye, like everyone. Ah, thanks, Chad. I, Goodbye, Chad. Oh, I thought right. that corn guy was in the show. I really like that character. Something takes a part of me. Something's lost and never seen. Every time I start to believe Something's raped and taken from me From me Life's gotta always be messing with me Sometimes I cannot take this place Sometimes it's my life I can't taste Sometimes I cannot feel my face You'll never see me fall from grace. Something takes a part of me. You and I 
Bye.